Prescription opioids can be addictive and dangerous. My son was 20 years old when he was prescribed opioids. It took him five days to get addicted. I'm not supposed to be the one to go get his suit and tie and pick which sneakers that I'm going to bury him in. My son overdosed at the age of 22 years old. Prescription opioids. It only takes a little to lose a lot. Visit cdc.gov rxawareness. I'm sure all of you have either lost someone or know someone that has lost someone to this opioid problem in our country. It's not getting better. It's actually getting worse. And on this episode of Far for County Living, Lyle Garrity and I sat down with Sheldon Bear, the conductor and founder of the Susquehanna Symphony Orchestra, to talk about their upcoming concert and the opioid awareness that they're doing at this concert and the, the people that are going to have there talking about it. We are also joined by Teresa Stepp, who has lost one of her sons to this opioid problem. And the big key that I got out of this one is community. The community needs to pull together as a whole and help those that have either lost someone or going through addiction or even know someone. It's you. That's all of you need to pull together as a community and help those that need our help. You are listening to the Harford County Living Podcast with Rich Bennett. Thank you for coming, and please send any suggestions or comments to podcast at harfordcountyliving.com. The Harford County Living Podcast is produced for your enjoyment, and show notes can be found at harfordcountyliving.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorites, RRS feed, or iTunes. All links are in the show notes. Now, let's join Rich Bennett and his special guest. like to welcome everybody to the Hartford County Living Podcast. Uh, special podcast today. We did this last year because the Susquehanna Symphony Orchestra does their concert in June on opioid awareness. And we have Sheldon Bear with us and Teresa Stepp <coughs> and also Lyle is joining us. But before we get into that, I want to have Teresa... Tell us about her grand opening, because she just launched Art to Soul Galleria, and your big grand opening was May 18th and 19th. Yep, last weekend. How'd that go? Uh, It went very well. I'm really excited to be bringing um, local artisans um, an outlet in Harford County. Um, So everything in our shop is, when I say 100% handmade, I mean that it's been touched by and developed and molded and created by human hands. Um, We did very, very well. We do a lot of promoting. We're on Facebook other social media outlets. We have a website. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I'm glad. I was really tickled that um, the community came out and supported us in such good numbers. And we're going to continue to uh, improve on that. But I'm very, very pleased overall. And just to let people know, it's not just for women because June 15th, <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, we are having a special promotion um, Saturday, June 15th at the Art of Soul Gallery at 2101 Bel Air Road in Falston. 
and that is a special Father's Day promotion where we're going to be focused on great gifts for dad, stepdad, uh, soon to be fathers um, for the men in your the special men in your life. So we will do that. And it's three hours only. So. so everybody listening, you're more than welcome to go there. Get me a gift. I don't mind. And in keeping with today, uh, we are also the exclusive retailer for the Open Hearts for Opioid Awareness, where the profits from the sale of heart pins and pendants go directly to um, organizations that support the opioid epidemic awareness, um, education, recovery, and so forth. Some of those benefactors have been the Helping Up Mission in Baltimore, the Little Faces program, which is tied to the faces of opioids. And I recently uh, became aware of a new location called the Will House, Hmm. which is a recovery house in Harford County. And um, I'm so I'm interested in actually, you know, pulling some money into more grassroots type of things that can benefit. The Will House? The Will House. And if it's, if I'm not mistaken, um, it's again, it just came to my awareness. I'm, right. I'm friends with someone that is um, connected to this, but I believe Will, W-I-L-L, as a person that lost a battle or had an, um, an addiction, and right. they've created this in, in that honor. So, and it's in Harford County, and it just is just been established in the past few months. So, I'll be researching that and seeing how I can partner and uh, do what I can more. do. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. There's definitely a connection. Um, it's somebody's somebody's labor of love, uh, directly connected with, um, you know, loss. Right. Uh, and yeah, so. Sheldon, you just had a big concert May 18th, right? That's right. How did that go? It went very well, thanks. Bellar High School, uh, we played some great music, and Kara Iwanowski was our soloist on a Shostakovich piano concerto, and she did super for a high school student in particular. She's uh, she's on her way to the University of Miami to study music. So And photos can be seen online? And uh, photos will be able to be seen on Susquehanna Symphony uh, website eventually. I don't okay. think they're up yet. And I'd like to say thank Tracy uh, Grumbach, uh, who I met last time here on the podcast, uh, who shows her art, and she took a bunch of pictures, and they're wonderful. So i also like to thank you for putting us together that day. That worked out well. Oh, it's, that podcast did work out well, actually, because yeah. I introduced her to Teresa as well. Oh, uh-huh, and she's and she, actually an artist. She's yeah. one of our artists yeah. at the Art of Soul yeah. Galleria. She has yeah, a she's super, yeah. She so, really is, uh, yep. She wanted to come today, but I think she had some prior uh, commitment uh, okay. or something, so... Uh, all um, right, so yeah, we got, that worked out uh, Worked out great. Good. Good concert, yeah. And now the, the big concert, June 2nd. June 2nd is our outdoor concert again, our annual outdoor concert, starting what is a great series in Bel Air at the Band Show, uh, almost every Sunday night all summer, and nearly every Wednesday night in July and August, uh, there's music in Bel Air, which is great. It's They're sort of behind the the uh, town of Bel Air office and the library, mm-hmm. uh, the Bill William Humbert uh, Amphitheater. I knew him as Bill, of course, uh, back when he was living and working with the, the um, community band and with the town of Bel Air festivities. But uh, it's June 2nd, 7 o'clock. Uh, we have about an hour worth of music, and we'll have a couple of groups, a few groups from, uh, well, we'll have Harford County Office of Drug Control Policy will be there, and Mobile Crisis Center for sure. Those two organizations will be there, and we want to 
make people aware of what opioid addiction is. Right. And it's all about education and understanding. At least that's that's a big part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, June 2nd there. And if it rains, it'll be at Beller High School, just like last year. And it's uh, the concert's free to the public. Right. So that's one reason why we do this uh, as an opioid addiction awareness concert, because everybody can go and uh, and learn about opioid addiction. It was a good turnout last year, too. It was. It? And, uh, yeah, we have a board member whose wife went through about 10 years of it, and she's done real well. But uh, it's tough, you know. Um, and, of course, it's not only young people that are affected. He's, right. he's about mm -hmm. near retirement at this point, so. The, uh, what is the, the Mobile Crisis Center? Is that something new? The answer is I don't know. Uh, that's, that's who's coming. Okay. So I think they're mobile, and I think they handle crises. <laughs> <laughs> we have a detective in the room. Yeah. <laughs> Leave, I think, Leave I think it to maybe, Sheldon. Maybe I ought to start writing detective books. No, really, I think, I think it's probably a trailer that comes okay. and has information about about uh, opioid. Okay. I try to try to teach people about about uh, what it is and what different drugs there are. Um, I just saw something about fentanyl. Uh, is the uh, addiction to fentanyl is really sky high. It's really, it's gotten out of control. It, it's, it's totally. It's really yeah. out of control. So I just saw some statistics on that about how it skyrocketed right. it over the last couple of years. Well, I can tell you as a person, I work, um, my day job is at uh, Aberdeen Proving Ground, and most of the folks that work there are, you know, educated, um, people with degrees and so forth, and the one thing that has become different in my world as an employee um, that really strikes me, most people know I lost my son in September of 2017 um, to a fentanyl heroin overdose. Um, I think they put on the death certificate fentanyl intoxication. Um, but what is different to me as an employee, and I've been working, you know, in the workforce, professional workforce for over 35 years, is how many emails I'm getting where someone has lost a child. Um, there's a lot of adult children this week alone, and this week alone at work, I've given out three hearts and have received at least two emails of people that lost their children. These are adult children. and. That, as, like I said, as a person that's always had email, always worked in a professional office, I've never seen this before. Um, but I ha since I have that connection to that loss, I'm someone that people tend to reach out to. But I can tell you now, sitting in my office, there's at least three women that have lost children. And really? I, yes. Yes. To the same. Yeah. Now, it isn't publicized. It isn't the kind of thing, you know, they don't go into details when they send out these emails. But this has just been, just since I lost my son, it's been... Um, it, it's very painful, I think, because you relive that with them. Mm -hmm. You know, every time mm -hmm. you hear of another loss, it, it's not like it would be any better if it stopped at my child. But the bottom line is every time you hear it happens to somebody else's, you kind of go back to that place of knowing where they are and, and how, you know, severe that loss is to them. But it is just, it's unheard of. It's yeah. really unheard of, the, the numbers. So, and these are just the ones we're hearing about. Um, so mm -hmm. with that negative stigma, um, you know, I'm exposed, as most people are, to a lot. And, you know, just a year ago, people were posting these videos of, you know, people they see in parking lots nodding out or, mm. um, you know, uh, and, and, and here you have human beings videotaping people in crisis, you know, and their comments and the things that they're doing. I don't think they realize how, 
how um, horrible, horrifying this really is that you're you're videotaping somebody's child, somebody's mm-hmm. parent, somebody's, and and making fun and you know and so for me one of the things that I would really like to see improved um, from a compassion standpoint is I would really like to abolish the word junkie. I think there was probably a time and place where maybe that that was something. Um, you know, derogatory that, that represented a very small percentage of the population that were, you know, maybe down on their luck or, but what's happened, and you can go back and research just what is coming out of Big Pharma, just how much of this is based on money and how, and who is behind um, these staggering statistics because this isn't just about people and addiction. There's always been addictions. There's always been addictive personalities. This is about about an industry that was well aware, much like the tobacco industry, mm-hmm. was well aware of the harmful effects of cigarettes. Well, Big Pharma was well aware of the addictive properties. They lied. It's now out there. It's in lawsuits. Um, and because of that, we now have this this pretty criminal to me, um, you know, because the one mm-hmm. thing, it used to be an overdose was a mistake, or a, right. now it's an accident, or now it's murder. So, you know, take it as you will, but I think that um, the more people try to remove themselves from it or distance themselves from it or say it isn't me, that it has touched everybody's life in some capacity, whether it's the child that's left behind, whether it's the parent that's lost their kid, whether it's the brother, the sister, the whatever. I don't think that we can be so... Um, Cold. Yeah, and, and distant yeah. from this yeah. to mm-hmm. say, these are people that are hurting. Yeah. These are people that are suffering. And we need to stop a- across the board saying that this person is responsible therefore they don't deserve help that's right. mm-hmm. that's if we, we could if we went we could probably go down the line where how many people have we help government agencies help all of this but for some reason there's this negative connotation associated with drug use that this person doesn't deserve the benefit of compassion and to me that speaks more about the person that isn't kind enough or generous or forgiving enough in their heart to understand that's a human being in need you know, so. Well, I think some people think that, well, they just shouldn't have started in the first place. Uh, and I've had, pe- and some people think that it's just young people that nice. are involved, yeah. and neither are and true. And it's not. And um, also, however, it seems to me that the United States is about the worst uh, country. And I, I could be wrong. Right. But it seems that I also read that Canada is, is is having a hard time. But these issues are not showing themselves in Europe that I can see. So that's another answer question. Why? Hmm. Well, th- there's something that I would like researched. You know, it, there's there, I have my finger on the pulse of something that I find interesting. Sometimes there are connections that can be drawn. And this is a very controversial statement that I'm going to make because... One of the reasons is simple denial. People want to separate themselves from things that they don't want to hear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one of which is I have a strong concern about the medicating of children. Um, I have two sons. The one that ended up addicted to opioids was medicated from the age nine. And there's some pretty simple things if you think it through you know, from an intellectual standpoint, which is if you wouldn't give it to a pregnant woman you know, maybe rethink it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Right. So when it comes to, there's no way you're going to tell <laughs> me that a child, their brain isn't developing at age 9, 10, 11, and 12. As soon as you put a psychotropic drug into the chemistry 
of something that's growing, there has to be an effect. Oh, there yeah. has to be a change. Sure. You're not just changing it momentarily, you're changing it permanently. And I, I just don't trust pharma anymore. No. As life would have it, I actually worked in clinical pharma for seven years. And the one thing I did walk away from is that I would never take a prescription drug without consulting a pharmacist after that experience because I saw things from the very beginning that I that made me question, you know, it is about money. And I think people need to oh, stop yeah, being so um, sheltered to think that because a doctor gives it to you that it's okay. I saw a whole pay to prescribe. These doctors were getting rich off of prescriptions that were being yep. promoted by pharmaceutical companies. So mm -hmm. I understand that, that most parents would want to lash out with me for saying that, well, if your child is on this drug, now some of these drugs have changed. There's a lot of experimenting that goes on in pharma, a lot, and they figure it out after the fact. The other thing is, is that big pharma builds in lawsuits. They expect people to die. Yeah. They expect it. They, they That's what why there are patents for 10 years. Have you ever asked why is there a prescription? Yeah. A prescription is when a pharmaceutical company owns the rights to a drug for 10 years. And then it goes generic. So they have that 10 years to make all of that money, and those lawsuits are built in. So they hope that they're ahead of that curve of catching wow. it. And it's it's there's a lot to this that you see from, you know. So these people knew. They absolutely knew. Here's a, a little quick story to, to put things in perspective. My husband's mother, um, uh, she ended up, um, when she lost her husband, we had to go collect her from where she was living. At the time that we took her on, um, I was working at the pharmaceutical company, and she was prescribed 17 medications per day. Good Lord. Now, I took every one of those medications into, the, because I worked with doctors and scientists and so forth, and I asked them to give me an analysis of the drugs that she was taking. At least five of them were labeled for super psychotic, for psychotic things, like lithium and drugs that were way potent. There were at least three of them that counteracted other drugs that she was taking, and what we did learn is that she had an addiction to benzodiazepines. And there are a lot of people, uh, Xanax, I believe, is a benzo. Yeah. Benzos are highly addictive, less than two weeks. So when you go get a surgery or you go to the doctor because this is hurting, I mean, we as a culture and as a country need to accept some level of responsibility for what we are putting yeah. in our bodies and stop expecting that it's good for us. The only thing that we're, there was a, a formula that they told me, stick with drugs that are over 25 years old. Penicillin works every time. Penicillin was developed back when medicine was designed to help people. <laughs> you know, to cure people. <laughs> right. um, nowadays, you can't, you don't know what a drug is. There was um, one drug that they were working on where I worked <clears throat> for heart, and they had all this money tied up in stocks and all of these things going on. And come to find out, well, it failed that test, so then they decided they'd use it for liver. Or they just, it was, there were arbitrary things to keep these companies Jeez. from going out of business. And mm -hmm. so, you know, we are smart. We are a country of intelligent people, yet we seem to put this on the side and we seem to table this for convenience. I want to do this. I don't want to take care of this kid. This kid is just crazy, you know. But, but now why do we have all these food um, allergies and why do we have all of these things? And, and this will all go back to, like, even nutrition. There's a doctor that wrote a book about complete nutrition about 30 years ago that talked about how 
enriching flour and processing sugar and how these processes were actually harmful and cancer causing long before all these cancers started. Right. So, you know, what's natural always works. The Native American Indians used flowers and they, you know, the apothecary stuff that was done from natural products. Well, drugs aren't natural anymore. They're not natural at all. So, yes, we need them. And sometimes you have to weigh, you know, cause and effect and risk versus reward. But to just be, you know, because some teacher doesn't want to manage your child then maybe the child's in the wrong school, or maybe they, maybe you need counseling, or maybe, but you know, I just think that that these things are going to come out as time goes on as to why the connections to some of these things. And they are slowly they are, you know. And there are two things uh, you brought up going stepping back to uh, the stigma attached to being a junkie. Yeah. You know, when 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 we were young, um, you know, a junkie was essentially. Uh, a ne'er-do-well. You know, you'd find them on the city streets, they're strung out. Um, they most often, you know, they they didn't die. They, they weren't dropping no, dead every no. every other day. Um, they could live 20 plus years, the lifestyle they're living. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as you said, the drugs were quite simple back then, potent but simple. Um, today, those same drugs are cut with things like fentanyl and, and other uh, some pretty strange chemicals, and uh, a lot of these you know, young people don't know that. Um, they don't know the history, they don't know the, the, uh, the sources and the causes and effects of all these things. Um, the other, and I was watching a program about a year ago, um, I think it was on uh, uh, Discovery, one of these channels, and, um, and this is very prevalent, this is from everything from marijuana um, up through the, you know, the hardcore opioids and, and other types of things. But they had all these personalities, politicians and personalities on here basically mocking all of the efforts, starting with Nancy Reagan's just say no to everything going on today. It's just mocking every uh, every attempt by by uh, government agencies, private nonprofits, uh, families, and, and, and anybody that, that gets involved, just mocking them, you know, uh, about uh, their efforts to uh, make people aware and, and stop drug abuse, and, and uh, I just I and there, and there were two two people on that show who were current uh, uh, candidates on the Democrat side for president, um, and both of them just sitting there laughing about it, you know, laughing about the the efforts to stop drug abuse. Uh, anyway, my point is I is is that that just uh, permeates the landscape, you know, and everybody as you said they just they. It, it's not affecting me directly. Um, oh, he's just, you know, shouldn't have tried it. Uh, wouldn't have the problem if, if uh, he just said no. You know, it's not that It's not that simple. Yeah. And uh, There's hypocrisy it, in that because yeah. that attitude changes immediately when it touches your, your life. It does. Yeah. And that, to me, then I would like to see those same people that are mocking and laughing stand behind that when something happens to somebody that they love because right. there's a there is a an issue of how far people have evolved in their thinking and their feeling and um, I'm a firm believer that with suffering comes understanding and compassion and to me those people that are fortunate enough to walk around the planet and be so judgmental or so harsh are people that haven't suffered enough and at some point that will likely change for them whether it's unrelated or because the the whole the whole point of being for us is that you know when you're down and out how do you make yourself feel better you help somebody you lift mm-hmm. somebody up so it is not human nature naturally to be um, a bully 
or to be aggressive or to be um that's kind of taught that comes yeah. up with peer pressure and and you know ch- children are you watch a child from from zero to three years old and they're mostly giving i mean they don't like when you take their stuff but <laughs> but i mean for the most part everything about them in their greatest innocence is genuine and it's it's um, giving. So where do these perceptions come from? Where does this change happen that all of a sudden people become self-focused, self-righteous, um, indignant and above other people? And I do think that the world in general is, is sort of changing, that that tide, it's a slow turning ship. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would be nice to see that what, it's almost like the news, like that Don Henley song, Dirty Laundry. Why is it that human nature is more interested and, and more drawn to things that are negative or harsh or gross yes. or than they yeah. are happy, wonderful. So that's a perception that, you know, so there is something, maybe it's when you <laughs> see that junkie standing out there nodding out and somebody's videotaping. To me, I'm looking at this and I'm going, my natural response is to want to help. What can I do? What 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 harm is, is going on? And, and you just see people throwing popcorn at them or, hey, you know, junkie, junkie, this, and then videotape, and I hope you pee yourself. I mean, just ridiculous. I think ridiculous. those people need to be arrested, to be honest with you. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> it, but it, would, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't resolve the issue. So I think no, things like your concert, um, getting a group of people together, and that, that momentum, it's like a wave. I could sit here and do the one-person wave. Woo! Okay, great. It really hasn't accomplished much. There's no energy behind that. But when you get a group of people yes. together, and you and in that group, everybody is promoting the positive thing, hopefully that energy is absorbed by all of those people there that say now, it's okay. It's okay for me to, to want to help somebody and not view this person. Because I think a lot of this comes from judgment. That, you know, in the peer pressure of growing up, how many people didn't want to bully that kid but did it because mm-hmm. they wanted to be respected by their friend? So to some degree, I think a lot of us suffer from this bit of insecurity. And so they do say that all addiction is somehow related to pain, that those people that do tend to wind up addicted are masking other things, you know, whether they're psychological, whether they're insecurities. You know, so you are already looking at a person that's hurting. Now now you're seeing it physically from the outside. Um, so hopefully in the next couple of years, maybe this epidemic is designed to shake our snow globes a little bit and say, people, wake up. You know, yeah. start doing what's Good right hope. by your community. Yeah. Because think yeah. about it. In the 50s, everything was about community. Okay? It was, it was important to be in church, and it was important to do the things within your community that were wholesome and were... And then it became important to be a rebel, the 60s became about being a rebel and independent and free. The Vietnam War had a lot to do with that. Yeah, and, and that's when <clears throat> some of the um, drugs came out. It's so, uh, also was uh, when some of the folks, some of the men, um, were drafted. Mm. And they, they were in pain over being drafted, you know, because the Vietnam War was... Even McNamara said, well, we really shouldn't have escalated. So, um, and then those men came back from Vietnam and we treated them terribly. Uh, so what the, again, what does that say about America? A lot of times I think American people are generous, but especially when something is happening somewhere else. There's a tsunami, oh, let's send money. Yes. There's a, you know, but when it's happening here, oh, well, 
you know, go find money to take care of it or whatever. So uh, yeah, we're kind of peculiar that way. We are yeah. peculiar that yeah. way, unfortunately. So yeah. uh, that uh, you know, the, a lot of times when we are sending military type people somewhere, we should be sending Peace Corps social workers, people to help rather than go shoot somebody, for instance. Mm-hmm. It's against. It's Which really happens. against human nature. It is. Yeah. So I, ju- I just looked up. Uh, Canada is experiencing opioid issues, just like I said. Europe, it's getting a little worse. But um, 2016, 42, I think it was 2016, 42,000 Americans died of opioid addiction. And France, it was 349. And in 2017, it was 47,000. Okay. People, and then in, I was trying to find the statistics for 2018, which it just keeps growing. That was like yeah. s- yeah. 63,000. I mean, it's gotten so it's we're just, larger than France, obviously, mm-hmm. but 42,000 compared to 349 is. Yeah, even even per capita, it just yeah, it, it just it, smokes them. Yeah, absolutely. It, mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. So, so what are the French doing? What are the pharmaceutical companies, for instance, in France doing? That's a difference. I did see a TV show a couple of years ago when uh, EMTs go out on calls. They all, in France they often have a real doctor with them. That goes Interesting. Out, uh, which maybe that makes a difference. Who knows? Well, one of the things is that I've read or, or saw is that the one thing about drugs is misery loves company. Um, addicts want to be around other addicts. Nobody really, you are masking pain and nobody really wants to suffer in this kind of thing by themselves because what started as being fun becomes the devil or the demon or what grabs you kind of a thing. So nowadays what's happening too is that it isn't one person overdosing, it's three people overdosing at the same. They had a, a picture the other day where just, they all got the same bad stuff together and the three of them using, they all OD'd because it was laced you know, with this fentanyl. fentanyl. And so, um, you know, it's hard to say really even how much of the information we get is accurate or true or mm-hmm. isn't changing. Or, um, But I do remember back when I did work at the pharmaceutical company, one of the things that a pharmaceutical organization brings is that a diversity in culture. Um, you get a lot of scientists and, and biochemical um, engineers and things. So it was a really interesting eclectic group of cultural of people. And I used to ask, I used to, when someone from Nigeria would come up to me or somebody from Japan or, you know, um, these folks that were really educated and have their degrees, and I'd say, so you're from so-and-so. Tell me about your perception of America, because most of these people came here as adults or older, right. you know. And um, there were some consistencies in the responses that I got from people. And there were two in particular that almost every person that wasn't born and raised in America said to me about our country. And that was there are two things that American people don't understand. One is the opportunity that they're given, the access to education. You don't realize in other countries, you're not, there's not enough gratitude. People just expect these things, these opportunities, these gifts of, yeah. of freedoms and things that we have. And the other is that our country as a whole is lacking in community meaning in every other place everybody lives, the communities work together. Yeah. And that yeah. here we're very isolated. You don't even know your neighbors. They're like, this is the weirdest thing. I mean, I, people live on a street. They don't know who lives up the street, down the street. That is not true in almost any other place that you live. They, you, you are connected by your 
um, demo, by your demographic and by your logistics, yeah. and they embrace that. They help each other. Here, it's almost like, I don't want to give you it. It's like everybody thinks somebody's trying to take something from them, and we're all these individuals, and I think that breakdown goes is contrary to, if you believe in the soul, that what the soul needs, which is to be a part of all something larger or something bigger. Yeah, That's thing why is, community orchestra is important. Because it brings people together for a Absolutely. common cause. That's our yeah. community. I've been lucky in that uh, our neighbors, uh, now we've lived in the same house now for 30 years, but even the other neighbors, you know, even before that, we've always gotten along and done things together. We have a party, we invite the neighbors mm -hmm. and vice versa. And somebody's having trouble, you know, in their life, you know, we help them out. And we've been, we've really been, been lucky. But, I know that that's not the case in uh, many places. Where it's did not. Good, uh, big fences make good neighbors, or where did fences make good neighbors become a, a saying? Is that something that started here in the U.S.? Is neighbors make good <laughs> yeah. fences make good neighbors, right? Make Is that the saying? Yeah, or that's definitely American. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so we. I know where I live. The neighbors are just crazy off the hook. But <laughs> <laughs> don't know what you're uh, talking I wanna, about. I want to live where you live. Yeah, right. But the sad oh, thing is, wow. it didn't. I I think it used to be that way all the time because yeah. I remember no. as a kid no. I mean the community everybody always pulled together Java town yeah. as a whole pulled together I think, Sheldon, I think you hit yeah. on something that that could probably be a pinnacle or a turning point or and and what effect did the Vietnam War really have on this culture because prior to that, mm -hmm. in the 50s, I mean, just met the TV shows, everything was so much more wholesome. Yeah. Community was greater. Church was greater. Nowadays, in this country, everybody is a, it's all about separatism. Yeah. Everybody's on a different side of a fence. Our political structure is completely separate. It's just okay across the board to not participate, to, to, to have, it's one thing to have your own opinion. But it's another thing to create separatism everywhere that you go. There's, tell me how that's benefiting anybody. It's certainly not benefiting this this drug crisis. <coughs> if people it's don't no, come together and do something, and and what you said about the the politicians laughing, um, and and as a parent, I find it very um, sad and disheartening that people are using this crisis as a leg up for their own launch pad of political ideas and political and, and whatever. Right. I don't believe them and I don't trust them. Right. I trust the people that are actively doing without anything, any any rhyme or reason. Somebody wanting to do a concert because it, it pulls people together and it gives people a platform in it, you know, t to bring awareness, to reduce the stigma. But as far as politicians go, I, I often wonder, and I'm sure there that that people start out with the best intentions. Mm -hmm. You know, I really believe that. I don't think the average person gets involved in something, you know, but somehow it gets away from them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then it becomes more about, well, I'm going to use this platform. And I, you know, I just wouldn't want the karma with that. I, I wouldn't want to, mm -hmm. to, you know, grow based on somebody else's. Well, that's what it is, unfortunately, with, with many things. And, and this type of thing it especially becomes, um, a case for personal promotion. Mm -hmm. You know, they probably do have good intentions going in, most of them. Um, but then when they see the uh, uh, the accolades come in and uh, the attention begins to narrow and focus on them, well then, here's my opportunity to self-promote. And, and I think they lose their... sometimes political parties 
uh, might change whoever's running to make them fit into their mold rather Certainly. than yeah. having a person being their own yeah. person. So yeah, well, yeah that's a big uh, part. Of it. But that's probably worldwide yeah. too. You know, that look at what UK is going through with Brexit and mm-hmm. stuff. It's yeah. just it's a mess. Well, oh, that's a that's yeah. a natural natural uh, path for any any society. Yeah, I think yeah. I think you're right. Uh, the big thing is like what Sheldon's doing, and, and a lot of other organizations is you just got to get the community involved. Once you involve mm-hmm. politics, you lose a lot of people lose interest. Yeah. yeah. You know? Well, you know, I'll share a story with you that I find is probably somewhat of an example of the way things work nowadays. Um, I was lucky enough to have um, some friends. Now I have some friends from just helping with the opioid thing. Like, mm-hmm. I know the uh, administrator of the Faces of Opioids. That's a group that's like 55,000 on. It's huge. Within less than two years, there were 50, 55,000 followers on Facebook. That's how many people wow. it's touched. And um, she referred me to a member, a reporter for the um, Associated Press. Oh. And this person reached out to me. And we spent at least a month, maybe six weeks, chit-chatting back and forth, her getting to know my story. She was going to do an article about my son, you know, just a regular family and what you do and, you know. Anyway, so reached out, talked to various people, was going to come, was going to, you know, witness. And, and she was really interested because I had this whole thing I was doing with the with the heart pins and pendants. Well, about two months after investing time and energy, I got a, a email from her and she said, hey, I'm sorry, there was a shooting in Texas and I need to run off and do that. So we're going to table the story for now and I'll get back to you, you know, when this when the dust settles on this. Well, I knew, your gut tells you. And nine months later, of all things, I don't see a lot of articles, but wouldn't you know what came across my feed was the article that she wrote um, about this family. And um, what made me sad and wasn't that we weren't selected, or, but it was that we weren't selected because I was functioning. I was functioning as a person that lost their child, yeah. that I was happy, okay. that I was making strides in doing things. They wanted someone that was devastated and suicidal. They wanted to promote that there's no life after this and the sad and downside of things rather than saying, hey, let this be your example or your guide or here's what we can do to help. or, And, and I thought they didn't even have the decency to be honest. Yeah. Here it is, I spent all that time, I've already had this tragedy in my life and instead of you saying, like I wouldn't respect the loss to another parent, I mean, it's just the way that you're treated in this day and age, and the reporter was young. Yeah. So my point is is that the self-promoting and what, whatever, and this is what's out there. So you're even being fed, if you understand, when yeah. the choices are being made as to what information you're getting. Mm-hmm. That information isn't even a fair assessment all of the time as far as how, what, how things happen after, who's affecting change. What, mm-hmm. So even the politicians, I'm just saying anybody is going to grab the piece that serves their purpose exactly. rather than the truth. Right, right. You know that and bothers me. Sure, and, and the other part of that that story that that message is is that you're sending out, um, uh, basically telling people that you know if you if you if you get in a situation, all hope is lost. Mm-hmm. You know there is no path. There is no there is not a mother that's able to 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 come back and 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 you know. Uh, uh, Help others. Is help basically. others and, yeah. and and get over what she's been through, and 
Um, so yeah, if you promote a story like that, it's so well, there's nothing we can do, you know, and that that that's going to be uh, pervasive across across the uh, society, you know. Uh, well, there's nothing we can do for them, you know. They're they're past the point, you know. I feel bad, but whatever, well, you know. And I, I think that's the message they're sending out. And you're right. Well, and the sad thing is too, because you said you work for a news agency or whatever, mm -hmm. right? Hey, yeah. And Huge. you know, if you work for a news agency, you're taught to go for the negative stuff. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. you push Absolutely. the negativity. Yeah. Yeah. And it yeah. could be the editor yeah. is behind yeah. it. I oh, mean, there's all kind of people that... It's, and that's involved. not even really relevant as much as my right. point yeah. being that, um, that we as humans need to start realizing that we don't live in the 50s anymore. Mm -hmm. And that anything, if you, you need to trust the source by what is its agenda. That nowadays, in the country in which we live, everybody's operating with an agenda. Now, some of those agendas are positive, but they're not. And we need to be more educated on what we believe, what we listen to. We all have seen it on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Somebody hears something, and they run off with that story. Oh, God, yes. They don't know the facts. They don't know. They just heard something, and therefore it's fact. Yeah. So in, the, in this, how are you going to remedy a situation like this if half of or 60 or 70 or 80 percent of the information that's out there isn't even accurate mm -hmm. and that's people right. are grabbing it and they're running it and so that's another reason that I like the idea of a concert where people are getting together where you're having agencies whose business they are in the business of knowing those statistics mm -hmm. of reading that detail they're giving you the and information people. yeah Absolutely. I read on internet one time that Rich Bennett was good-looking <laughs> So I, you know, I you, you can't with it, huh? trust that. I just want to throw in another Jeez. interesting thing. Thanks, Sheldon. You're welcome. We're talking about politicians. So when we have, like, our July 4th parades, mm -hmm. where do the politicians ride in the cars? Is that at the front of the parade usually? Yeah. Usually, yes. So we were in Taos, New Mexico back in 2010 uh, with a family visiting uh, the West. And... The politicians ride at the end of the parade. It was great. The parade's almost over, then here come the politicians, and everybody left. It's good. It should be that it way. It was very funny. <laughs> now, I, there's some politicians, local politicians, that have helped us us way in a sense. Oh, yeah, sure. And, and you sure. know, that's, uh, they're, they're the people that want to help, but it's, it's the others. Okay. So, yeah, again, the concert is June 2nd. Seven o'clock at the Bel Air Band Shell, and we are um, we'll be in the uh, Bel Air High School if it rains. We're playing a variety of music, some late classics. We're playing music from Anastasia the movie, and we're playing the main theme from Star Wars because guess what? It's the fiftieth anniversary of the oh moon my. landing. Oh wow! Coming up in July. Wow! Rich doesn't remember that. He's too young. Oh, that was all done. That was all done on a stage set. Yeah. We know. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> so, doing that so uh, you know, there's there's some other things. Benny Russell will come. Uh, last year, he played with us on a soprano sax. He did a nice funk uh, arrangement of "Steal Away," the old uh, mm -hmm. African American spiritual. So, um, so he'll be there, and just some other some other great pieces. Uh, so, hopefully, people can come out, listen to some great music. And learn about opioid addiction. And who, as far as people there talking about opioid addiction, who's going to be there? Uh, well, for sure, the Harford County Office of Drug Control Policy and the Mobile uh, Crisis Center will be there. I'm assuming there'll be a couple others and we'll probably okay. have a speaker or two. They're working on it anyway. Okay. So I get to conduct. Okay. And then, um, but 
they don't let me do other things. So, you know, you understand. Because one of the things that uh, is new in Harford County is the 24-7 Harford, uh, Harford County Crisis Center. Okay. So, so I would guess that the Harford County Office of Drug Policy Control can speak to that. Yeah, well, yeah, because well, yeah. I, I knew the health department has something to do with it, too. They, um, Dr. Moy had mentioned it before. Okay. And it's for addiction and mental illness. So people can okay. go there 24-7 there. Where is it low? Up in uh, Bel Air? Oh, uh, I think where the old bowling alley used to be, or across the street from it, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. But actually, if you go on to Healthy Harford's website, there's information there about it. I can't okay. believe I'm drawing a total blank. I, I, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I to where was the bowling alley? In, oh, is that over by where the auction was? I didn't. Even I think it, you know what? I it think was, it might be. Yeah. That, yeah, it was up that direction. Yeah. It's the Harford Crisis Center. Okay. Yeah. Dr. Well, then the Mobile Crisis Center, Center will be there. They, they're probably involved. Yeah. 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 Uh, but I mean, it's it's good to see something like that. Yeah. You know, open up here in the county. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah because there's... And, you know, opioid addiction, it doesn't discriminate. Age. No. Uh, wealth. Uh, rich, poor. Doesn't, doesn't matter. Color of skin. Yeah, okay. it's something interesting, too, that um, I hear a lot. And, and the pharmaceutical companies, yeah, they, we just... Ugh. Um, what was that again? <laughs> I can't. I, I don't like them. Okay. I, I don't like prescriptions. I don't even like taking Motrin. Okay. But when, because um, I go to the community advisory board meetings a lot, okay. and the sheriff's office always comes up and does his report. One of the things, and I, I found this kind of shocking, you know, he'll talk about that the sign on 40, deaths, the, uh, overdoses and all that. Mm-hmm. And with the overdoses, he it's almost half the gateway drug was marijuana which, which yeah. and it's which I found interesting because you hear a lot of people say no marijuana not will not case. lead to yeah. that but it, they're saying because I guess I they ask the people they need to really do a better assessment on what is addiction because, yeah because drugs are a mask are a cover for you know you have your symptoms in your roots and and all of your recovery programs will teach you that the use of any type of drug is masking. So while I totally understand that there are benefits to like the CB oils and stuff, I would never say that I'm anti anything if it if it proves to be something that's beneficial to, you know, as a whole, but I've always been very anti marijuana as far as it, mm-hmm. it is a drug. It does affect it's not like coffee where or nicotine, it you know, the stimulants, it it does affect the chemistry in your brain and mm-hmm. over the long-term use of anything there has to be repercussions for that yeah. now there's a lot of people out there i know that have been using marijuana you know that are my age that have been doing it for so long but that that's their thing and i'm not judging that but everybody's I, but, different though. but just yeah. like i'm not judging that they have to realize that the other 50 percent of those people are drug addicts right and they're on their way to addiction and there isn't any way to separate it just like alcohol okay you know you've got people that can drink responsibly and you've got alcoholics and so um, the answer to this is really in recovery it is really in finding what it is that that motivates or drives people to do that as far as you know you will find that what one of the things that most addicts have in common are unresolved issues mm-hmm. of pain from 
childhood to PSD to what to whatever it is. Now, you can have people draw a hard stance on that and say, I've survived this, 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 and this. Okay, well, God bless you, and that's a great thing. But not everybody is equally as strong as Everybody's the next person. Yeah. You know, right. what you can handle, what you can't handle. I, as a mother, people look at me and go, how do you do what you do? You know, and versus someone that goes and jumps off a bridge. We Our, our ability to cope, our ability to heal, our ability to grieve, all of those things are different. And so... You know, if you are a person that doesn't have these issues, then God bless you. That's great. Accept yeah, yeah. that as a, as a reward, as a blessing. Uh, but that doesn't mean that because you can do it. And that's the one thing that I absolutely, somehow we have to tie this into money. You know, when somebody takes that position and goes, well, I could do it. Well, you know, will you, uh, Buffett, whatever his name, Warren Buffett Warren. is a billionaire. You could do it. How come you're not doing it? You know what I'm saying? I mean, people have to start being realistic that just because somebody can do it doesn't mean everybody can do it. And right. we have to... Somebody said something to me the other day, and I absolutely love this. <clears throat> it's one of those things that sticks like baloney to a wall, you know? And that is, they said, you need to love people where they are. And I think that is the most difficult thing for us because I think as human beings, we tend to get defensive when somebody doesn't agree with us or, or, or says something to us that we take as contrary or you know but if we could all just love someone where they are that gift to that person I, I know for me personally I was able to spend some time with someone <clears throat> that was a drug addict this was long before I ever knew what my destiny would be um, her dog got into my yard as a matter of fact and she came over and she looked to me you know as a person that's compassionate or intuitive she looked to me as if something was wrong. So I spent time talking to her about three hours one night. I remember my second husband, not my good husband, <laughs> my second husband. Um, I remember him pacing behind me in the door like, what are you doing wasting your time? Because this person did appear to be what we will call a junkie, mm -hmm. that whole perception. And I spent about three hours talking to her one night, and um, she eventually went home. And I got a letter from her in the mail three to four months later from South, from from North Carolina. This is like the thing I'm so most proud of in my entire life. And she um, thanked me for saving her life because wow. she was going to commit oh, suicide that night. And yeah. she said, I didn't even know her. And she said, Teresa, just the things that you said and that night and put things, she said, I, I took my kid and I took my stuff and I left. And so you never wow. know who you are talking to. You know, that could have been my kid or it yeah. could have been, um, you know, so give that person that time. If you have something to give, you have a gift. So rather than pushing that person away, you know, even the people that are standing on the street corners and all, you don't have to pay them. You don't, if you need to look the other way, look the other way. But when, when the world or the universe presents you with a situation, just like an animal, a stray or whatever, find that inside of yourself that lifts that being up because you never know you right. could have walked away how many situations have we had in life where we don't know the outcome you should assume that every outcome if you touch it would have a positive ending yeah. this Be is that so true of teachers yes teach especially in the elementary and middle school levels we re those teachers really don't know unless the children come back and, and, and say something but they touch lives like, you know. Mr. Wilson, my seventh grade biology teacher, I'll remember yeah. him forever. There's, a, there's always that person. There's yeah. always that person you'll remember forever because they did something for you in that moment that you really needed. There's a connection. Absolutely. Yeah, you, you just never forget. And hopefully, as a teacher, being a teacher myself, those you teach then will teach 
or be compassionate. Should. You know, teaching's not just about being in no, the school. No, you know, it's it's about it's about much more. Same thing about leadership. leadership you know, if you were yeah. blessed with the the ability to lead, there's a reason for that. Mm -hmm. You know, accept that path or that responsibility um, as yours, and then and do positive things with it. You would yep. think. So hopefully, I think that this opioid crisis, addiction epidemic, is designed. Um, to show us something about ourselves as people. Mm -hmm. I think it's it's designed in the end to bring us all closer together because when you have something this big that touches so many lives, it can only there can only be a positive light at the end of the tunnel. It would have to be. So we've been walking around in this fog too long. Yeah. You know, this separatism, this it's somebody else's problem. It's and you know, now we've been called to task and that task is to start doing things that have a pot, even the littlest thing, just like I said, you know, it, that story about the starfish, the, did you ever hear that old man walking down the beach and he sees uh, this kid throwing starfish in the ocean, mm -hmm. the old man says to him, he says, son, you can't save them all, and the kid looks up and said, yeah, but I saved this one, yeah. you know, and that's yeah. how we have yeah. to be, yeah. you have to stop right. for that moment, and you have to help the one that you can help, because you never know that, like, the domino effect or the legacy, you know, that person can go on to have children, and that next child could turn to be to be a surgeon that ends up saving right. you know countless yeah. lives so wh where are you in the scheme of this thing so you know that's yeah, just and I, I think that message needs to be broadened um, beyond just the op opioids but you know from a from a perspective of drugs all drugs mm -hmm. um, you know whether a gateway or a gateway drug or something that's um, uh, designed for medicinal use um, you know, the, the message needs to be out there for all of it. It, it, it like you said, you know, it, it's, it, things are different for different people, drinking, smoking, use of drugs, um, and, and we need to treat it that way. You know, here are the inherent dangers and then work backwards. Um, you know, attacking one problem, opioid problem, and then saying, well, you know, marijuana's okay. Yeah. You know, there it is. It's got, it, it, it will cure cancer and it'll make you feel better and, and there's no problem smoking it recreationally is the wrong message uh, especially for young people because they, they, they don't have the ability to um, uh, separate you know and, and I think that that if, if we don't do that then that this this opioid opioid, huh, opioid. opioid crisis um, I don't think it'll go away Mm -hmm. Unless we change the attitude uh, to address all drugs, all addictions, and uh, understand them, um, because we we've got to get the the young people to understand, uh, because it's going to be on their shoulders. You know, they're the ones that are are going to come forward, and the break is going to be there. Um, not with our generation, I don't I don't think. Well, and that's another thing. Uh, if you're lucky enough that this isn't affecting your children, can you stand before me and tell me, in absolute certainty, it won't affect your grandchild? Right. Yeah. You don't know where this is going. You so, don't. so with that being said, you know I'm fortunate. I feel blessed in the sense that I'm able to connect with people that have the same loss. That's that's a gift for me. As far as uh, people will open up to me, I have some value or some benefit to them. And if nothing else, the strength that I have and the ability to carry on and do positive things in that message, if that is that helps people it absolutely helps people it kind of stymies them at first but absolutely you know through yeah. things that yeah. sharing and all you can actually show someone that there is life after loss and yeah. um, you know and that you can have a positive impact 
beyond that because you don't stop. It doesn't stop there. If it stops there, then that's losing. Mm -hmm. That's the failure. Um, you know, our children wouldn't want that for us. Our parents would. Nobody wants anybody to be unhappy. So if you have this destiny for whatever reason, then then that challenge, then do something positive with it, and you'll at least feel like it wasn't for nothing. Yeah. Right. You know, that's the way I that's the way I see it anyway. Well, you're right. And it goes back to the story you told. Um, you, you've got to get the positive message out there. Don't don't stop with you know this this is a great tragedy and there's no hope after that. Well, if that's your attitude, then that's what's going to happen. There's going to be no hope, and there's going to be no fix. And um, uh, you have to go in the opposite, opposite direction, you know, if you're going to make it work. Be a hero yeah. to somebody. Somebody, yeah. yeah. And it's so small. I mean, you know, that's the way I look at it. So yeah. um, the one thing I didn't hear that would have been nice, like if Steve had been here, I think the one component that we're missing in all of this is the recovery component and the available assistance and help which hopefully when Sheldon has his concert will be able to. But there are, um, so now what? Okay, so now you have these addicts. You have, one of the things that pains me the most is when I read and see people dealing with active addiction. And I've been in that helpless spiral of not knowing. Uh, most addicts that do end up passing have overdosed at least once before. There's always an opportunity. Mm -hmm. If you're living, there's an opportunity to be saved there's an opportunity to be in recovery. Mm -hmm. So that's the message and all of this at the end of the day. If there are staggering numbers of this many people, then you've got to get those people the help that they need. That is what turns that ship. So while it's great to have all these conversations like Craig and, and is it Craig and Tina, Craig and Lisa, there's the, the church. Um, there are organizations here locally, and many of them, from treatment centers to the Helping Up Mission is one of my favorite. And I'll say that strictly because I know the struggle that I went through with my son when he was looking for recovery. And I know many of those recovery places run off of insurance or run off of money. And understandably, I get it. But the wonderful thing about the Helping Up Mission in Baltimore is it costs nothing. They take right. you with this, the desire to be clean. And now that that has been offered to women as well, that's the type of organization that we should be building. Mm -hmm. um, because one of the things about recovery is, regardless of what your religion or spirituality is, they really are programs designed for humanity. I mean, right. the messages that they teach are good messages. Everybody could use a good 12-step program as far as being a, a, a good, humble being, because the message within those programs is really dynamite in general. Maybe that's our next conversation is to get some of these people oh, in, in a roundtable discussion It'd be here and really beneficial and, 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 and talk about that. Twelve yeah. steps. Yeah. Right, right. Recovery and get one of every kind because mm -hmm. you'll see the parallels, you'll see the, the, the commonalities of it, the addiction, whether it's gambling, whether it's overeating, whether it's uh, whatever it is, you'll find right. that those threads that run through those tapestries of who those people are are all very similar. They're yeah. all seeking something. Mm -hmm. And it's something that they, they, you know, feel inadequate or unloved or, you know, we can give it, it. When you really think about it, it's kind of the easiest thing to give someone. Really? Sure. Yet we're yeah. so selfish with it. I don't, yeah. you know, if you have it, give it away. Right. You know, and let that person give it away. And it keeps, it'll keep coming back. So. Is there a human being alive that hasn't needed help at some point? That's the question. Yeah. And if people say, no, I don't need any help, they're lying. Exactly. Whether it is about opioid addiction, whether it is about mental health, physical mm -hmm. health, whether it's mourning some uh, a loss, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, we all need help. And like we've been talking about the whole time, we all deal with issues differently. 
But if you have somebody who's there for you, mm -hmm. or or mm -hmm. a uh, community of people who uh, are supportive, mm -hmm. it makes a big difference. And we need to be that community of people. You know what? And, and touching on that, and something that Teresa said earlier, and for those of you that are listening, please, please do this. If somebody comes up to you, and even if you know they have problems, or if you don't, and they just want to talk to you, talk to them and be positive because there you never know what that person's going through. Right. You know, and too many of us are quick to just turn and walk away. That's right. And the people that need help often want to easily, quickly put like a curtain down. Yes. So we need to go, just like you went out of your way to help your neighbor. We need to sometimes go right. out of our way to help others. You need to be uncomfortable. There's two uh, things yeah. that you need yes. to be. You need to right. be uncomfortable and you need to be vulnerable. And I don't know why, as humans, we tend to feel like being vulnerable is a bad thing. There's a difference between having boundaries and being self-protective and being vulnerable. Being vulnerable is being available to someone else in need. Yeah. That's what that is. And you cannot be in love. You cannot have a relationship. You can't do any of those things in life if you aren't if you don't have the ability to be vulnerable. So um, it starts with us and then being able to identify what it is and then the recovery is the next other thing. So this isn't gonna fix itself. Like you said, Lyle, this is about realizing politicians aren't going to fix it. They're gonna no. use that as a, as a launching pad for whatever their agenda is. Right. It's going to take the community and the resources to help the people that are in need. And mm -hmm. recovery starts with each one of us because right. mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what your affliction is or what your prop. We all know everybody is the same, pretty much, just in a different, different space or place, or um, you know. And I just give it away to keep it. So that's yeah. that's what the message of this is. And to go to the concert. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody have anything to add? No, thanks okay. for having us. I want to thank I want to thank you guys for coming. I, I just want to close on this. You know, we mentioned you know offering the help, but if you are you know going through any problems, reach out to somebody. You know, you have the crisis center, and there's a lot of people out there that will listen, and people are willing to help. So you know, if you do need help, just ask. You know, I I know it's a lot to say, so and some people won't, but. You know, you never know until you try. There's so. always some family member or a friend that you can reach out to first. Yeah. And go from there. And I guarantee you that everybody, I don't care who you are, everybody knows somebody that has gone through addiction. Mm -hmm. So thanks again, everybody. Sure.